Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknotes Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I will jo- be joined by Patrick Murphy in just a moment. We've got a, a lot of good stuff to get into, like third down conversions and Sports Center and all kinds of good stuff. But uh, before we get into all that, I'm going to let you guys know about one of our newest sponsors, Jonathan Green, Grass Seed. And they have a read for you guys, a message for you guys. Good morning, Bucknoters. Are you tired of looking out at your lawn and seeing bare spots? patches or weeds well we've got the solution for you introducing jonathan green grass seed the secret to achieving the lawn of your dreams with over 130 years of experience jonathan green is a name you can trust for quality lawn care their black beauty grass seed comes in many varieties so that they can thrive in your specific region whether you're in the midwest northeast or anywhere in between plus planting jonathan green grass seed is easy just spread it on your lawn water it and watch it grow it's that simple Within just a few weeks, you'll see thick, lush, green grass that's the envy of your neighborhood. Say goodbye to bare spots and hello to a lawn that's the talk of the town. And here's the best part, Buckeye fans. Jonathan Green Black Beauty Grass Seed is endorsed by lawn care experts and trusted by homeowners across Ohio. So much so that Wilson Turf Farm here in Columbus grows 800 acres of Jonathan Green sod every year to sell to central Ohioans. So don't wait any longer. Make your neighbors green with envy. And turn your lawn into a showstopper with Jonathan Green Grass Seed. Visit jonathangreen.com. Use coupon code BUCKNUTS10 to get 10% off your order. Jonathan Green, quality lawn since 1881. All right, let's get into it. Ohio State football with the Ryan Day press conference yesterday. He anointed Kyle McCord as quarterback one. And it was a hilarious exchange. He thought I was going to ask about the... uh, quarterbacks first but I asked about third down conversions I had the quarterback ready in my back pocket I wanted to you know switch things up a little bit because he's usually predicting my questions I've become a little too predictable uh let's start with the quarterbacks though um no surprise you and I talked about it you wrote about it you and I talked about it I wrote about it there was no doubt Kyle McCord was QB1 the only question was was coach day going to announce it yesterday and he did I love it yeah, well, first of all, that and interchange between the two of you was fantastic. Ended up on Sports Center, BTN tweeted it out. Uh, it was great. I think it's funny that you've become the go-to first question guy the last few years now, and now with uh, this whole situation, obviously the most important position on the field. So it makes sense that you ask about it. And uh, Ryan was ready to go, but you threw a curveball at him, which is good. We we need to keep him on his toes a little bit. But yeah, no surprise there. As we talked about yesterday on our instant reaction shows, that look, we, we've known that Kyle McCord is the guy. He was the guy in the first game. The fact that Devin Brown only played six snaps against Indiana, even when the score was, was relatively close, that game wasn't ever really in doubt for the Buckeyes. So you could have thrown Devin Brown in there a little bit more. Uh, I want to know personally – and I, and I wish we could go back and kind of see what was going on in fall camp. What did Devin Brown do to make this as close as it was? Or maybe what didn't Kyle McCord do to, to keep things close in fall camp? Because nothing I've seen out of Devin Brown it ha- has shown me that he is as ready to take this job as they made it seem at the beginning of the season. Not to say that Devin Brown's been bad. He certainly hasn't. And I think if you gave him the reps that, that Kyle McCord has had in game, you would have seen similar level of progression. Kyle McCord got better from the first half to the second half against Indiana. And then from game one to game two, I think you would have seen the same from, from Devin Brown. He just hasn't had the opportunity as much, but 
His throws haven't been as on the money. Um, he's had some good ones, but generally it's been to guys that have been open, though I will say the throw to Carnell Tate in the second half, I believe it was, maybe the second quarter last week, was uh, very nice. And the, the mobility, while it's there, and certainly more willing, and the, the play calls seem to be more towards a dual-threat quarterback, he hasn't shown enough, for me at least, to be like, wow, you know, that's a guy that can change your offense with the way he can run, his speed, his athleticism, those type of things. So not surprised at all. I, I'm more interested in why Devin Brown was as close to Kyle McCord. He must have done some different things in fall camp, which I think is good because that means it's there somewhere if the Buckeyes need it. They just we just haven't seen it yet on the field. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, I believe Coach Day. What, what he said, I just take him at face value now that we've seen what we've seen. I think it did go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and that's why you know I had a source at one point saying, "Hey, De- Devin's ahead." Doesn't mean that he's not. Doesn't mean he's going to start against Indiana, but he surged ahead. And then it sounds like maybe Devin outplayed Kyle in the last scrimmage, and then from there, it sounds like Kyle outperformed Devin. Was just more consistent those last two weeks of camp. Um, got the start against Indiana and they planned on play. I really believe they planned on playing both guys more than they did. Um, But you know, they, he didn't want to play with it and um, game was closer than what they expected. So I think it did go back and forth in camp and Kyle pulled away, not greatly pulled away, but pulled away those last couple of weeks. I think it might be as simple as that. I don't know. You know, what would help with this. We could see everything. (laughs) Well, that, but preseason football of some variety in college. And it doesn't need to be like NFL where you, and we've talked about this before, where, you know, you have these games, but allow Ohio State to play Youngstown State, for instance, or, or teams like that, you know, teams around the state. You don't have to do a bunch of travel. It doesn't have to be a full game with fans at the horseshoe, but have them come out to practice, kind of like the joint practices that NFL teams do. Allow some of that where you have these games you know, maybe the media is there. Maybe you allow some fans if you want. Um, I think that would just be so much more helpful. Now, in a year like last season where, you know, you have a returning quarterback in C.J. Stroud, he probably doesn't play in something like that, right? But I think it would have been helpful for Devin Brown and Kyle McCord a year ago, and it would have been helpful for this competition now. And it's not just the quarterbacks. I think it would have helped a lot of positions when you have new guys stepping in. I think, you know, we would have seen more of the defense if we had the opportunity to see something like that. Obviously, you wouldn't schedule a a like-for-like matchup opponent probably for something like that. But I do think it would be helped to have more than just the mock games against yourself where you get an opportunity to see these guys on the field before the things really count. And I I think it would benefit everybody. Obviously, there'd be some injuries, and that would be unfortunate. But you see those anyway early in the season. I just think that, you know, as college football becomes more NFL-like anyway, why not allow these teams to – you know, scrimmage each other for lack of a better term. Yeah. Do what they do in college basketball. Yeah. You know, college basketball teams, they have the, uh, usually the secret scrimmage, which is not a secret. Um, right. and, uh, you know, maybe they'll have up to two, do something like that. Just have, yeah, have one scrimmage. I like your idea. This year would have been a good idea because Jeff Halfley and Ryan Day are friends. They, they could have had a scrimmage yeah. with Boston college, something like that. Yeah. Um, actual tackling too. maybe not tackling the quarterback, although I wish it would be tackling. They should actually do, you're going to do a scrimmage. Scrimmage. You should be able to tackle the quarterback. It should be just like the NFL does in their preseason games. you got to play real football. Um, all right, let's get to third down conversions. Um, you know, it is a problem. It is a problem. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about it, rightfully so. The Buckeyes are converting 16% of their third down conversions so far. Now, it's a small sample size. I get that. We're talking about two games. And we're talking about 19 total possessions. 10 against Indiana, 9 against Youngstown State. 
But again, Indiana and Youngstown State, it wasn't like they were playing powerhouses and, you know, far from it. And they can't convert on third down. Big problem. Not worried about it or somewhere in between. Where are you at? Certainly a problem. I mean, it's it's been a problem. You know, even last year, it wasn't great. They did figure it out more as the year went on. Some of that had to do with the the running back situation. Two years ago, I think it, we, we talked about it as well. It's been a thing under Ryan Day. Uh, I think some of it has to do with the, the way they've handled offensive line recruitment and development. Obviously, a lot of those situations, you just want to be able to run the ball. I also think, and I remember, I don't remember if it was last year or two years ago, asking Ryan Day about, you know, do you guys have to get more creative? And the, the team that I always think of since we're talking NFL anyway, the stuff the Kansas City Chiefs do when they get in the red zone and get close, like that, you don't want to have to do that in college football because most games you should be able, if you're in Ohio State, to just line up, run the ball up the middle and pick up two, three yards, which is really what the problem is here for Ohio State. But if you can't, and thus far we haven't seen it, and why not do some of those more creative things? You have the athletes, and we did see that last week. We saw the screen pass to Emeka Buka on fourth and two for the, I think it was like a 28-yard touchdown. Not that that is overly creative. You're just throwing a screen pass out to a guy who, you know, he set up blockers and, and he reads the blockers and picks up a big chunk. But I would like to see if Ohio State can't just run the ball up the middle, which is a problem in and of itself, and pick up two, three, four yards against the teams you mentioned, then do some different things. You know, do the the pitches to the tight ends in motion and, and stuff that the Chiefs have done. It's it's always – the Chiefs are a fun team to watch, not just because they're good, but because they're creative. And Ohio State has that ability with enough offensive minds in that room to come up with some things. And they obviously have the, the athletes and the players. Now, going back to the root of the problem, I would like to see them just call the run play, run the ball up the middle, pick up three, four yards. Why it's not working – I think, you know, that comes down to the offensive line. I thought that the interior of this offensive line with Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones returning would be the strength here early on. And, and some of those inside runs would be the something they could lean on as the quarterback. And you know, obviously you do have a new center, but the tackles kind of developed. It's, it's sort of been the opposite. I think Matthew Jones has played pretty well, but Donovan Jackson has been up and down, as you and I talked about yesterday. So, you know, I, I, they certainly need to get that figured out. It's not going to be something that you can just kind of get by with as you look down the road. And, and we're not talking down the road that far anymore. South Bend is, is coming pretty quick when, when Ohio State plays Notre Dame here in a week and a half. You're going to have to pick up third downs on or when you're on the road there. And Ryan Day wants to talk about the clocks and fewer possessions and things like that. If you're picking up third downs and, you know, hitting chunk plays and things like that, what we've seen from the Buckeyes in the past, you're going to have more plays, more possessions and whatnot. So I think that's really at the root of what's kind of slowing this offense down here early in the year. All right, let's get into defense. Um, now, I mean, they played basically, you know, um, Youngstown State threw the ball 18 times. Indiana thought they were a service academy. So not great chances to rush the passer, but still, I mean, I know you rewatched the game. I mean, just isolate on the DNs. All they do is is bull rush. And the one guy who I think now I think Caden Curry's played well as a backup. I thought Kenyatta Jackson would be that good speed rusher. He's not getting a lot of snaps right now, and I haven't seen him be that effective. When again, small sample size, but I haven't seen him be that effective. Um, that story is still to be written. But where's the pass rush? Like, how concerned would you be if you're a Buckeye fan? So, in watching back Saturday's game, first of all, I thought the 
best pass rusher was Tommy Eichenberg when they brought him on blitzes. Uh, he was the he got the first sack of the game, forced a fumble, but really caused some issues. But you shouldn't have to do that, especially against Youngstown State. Part of me wonders if they are taking it a bit easy. That's that's probably not the right term, but not showing everything that the defensive ends can do at this point and, and sort of saving things because they haven't needed it. Now, you know, maybe if the game gets closer, if this weekend Western Kentucky is able to, to start throwing the ball around and all of a sudden you're trailing 14 to seven and you, you need a little bit more. I just can't imagine guys as talented as JT Tuamalau and Jack Sawyer and what we saw from Kenyatta Jackson in the spring and then in the fall, that this is what you're going to get this season, that you're going to have, JT Tuomala, as you said, bull rushing and then getting to the quarterback late. Uh, you know, there were a couple times in the game on Saturday where he got there and just hit the quarterback who'd handed the ball off after reading the play. And it was, you know, he didn't even recognize that the ball was going to the running back. It seemed to me like, okay, is his job just, okay, I'm going to get to the quarterback every time. You know, that, that's what I was told to do, not hit him late or anything. Jack Sawyer, it's, it's been rare that he's even been in the backfield so far. A lot of his tackles, maybe all of his tackles, have come once the, the opponent has crossed the line of scrimmage. I know all of them were on Saturday against Youngstown State. So to me, these guys are too talented to be this is all that they have, right? And so I wonder if maybe they're saving a little bit for Notre Dame and, and maybe you're going to unleash those guys. And, and maybe we'll see it even a little bit on, on Saturday against Western Kentucky. As, as you said and Jim Knowles pointed out when we spoke with him on, on Tuesday, you know, they, they haven't had as many chances as a true drop back team to, to rush the passer. And maybe this will help get them going as well. But I just can't imagine that this is it because it's, it's just been so simple. Uh, there just hasn't been the elite level of, of play that we expect from two five-star guys and two highly rated four-star guys. I do agree with you. Caden Curry, I think he's been good in, in limited opportunities, but there's got to be more here is all I can think. Yeah. You know, brass tax, one of our loyal listeners, you know, you know, we kind of touched on this, but he just, you know, cut to the chase he's like yeah i mean look when these opponents are passing they're getting the ball out in two seconds or less because our coaches are telling them to get rid of it yeah i get that i mean we're talking about indiana and youngstown state we'll yeah. find out this week against western kentucky there's no doubt about that in fact let's get into that right now um austin reed led the nation in passing yards last year he's now back uh he's a senior um he transferred to western kentucky last year very experienced um and he's picked up right where he left off through two games they looked great against South Florida. Now, South Florida's not great, but they smoked them. Then they played, I think, a D2 team last year and smoked – or last week and smoked them. Houston Christian. I had never even heard of that school. I've heard of Dallas Baptist, but I've never heard of Houston Christian. Um, Dallas Baptist, good uh, college baseball team, but I digress. Um, yeah. Western Kentucky, they're, they're going to test this pass rush. They're going to test this passing defense. I think this is great. Now, I'm not going to think it's great if it's the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game. That won't be great. But I am glad that Ohio State's going to get a real test, uh, defensively at least. I think Ohio State's offense is going to be able to bludgeon this Hilltopper defense. They better. They better bludgeon this defense. Um, 28 points is the spread. Buckeyes are favored, just to, to clear that up. Western Kentucky is not favored by 28. Um, what's your vibe on this game? You don't need to give me a prediction and spoil our predictions later in the week, but um, what's your vibe on this game? You think the Buckeyes are going to go out there and take care of business? You think Western Kentucky's going to give them a good game? Where are you at, Patrick? I think this will be the most interesting game Ohio State's played. And frankly, the first two games have been more interesting than we all predicted each week. Um, 
look, the, the defense for Western Kentucky has not been good. It wasn't good last year. So I think Ohio State will look good offensively. But, you know, maybe we'll answer some questions here as to how good this secondary really is, for instance. And, and as you mentioned, that, that pass rush, can it get home enough? And you don't even, you know, you don't even need sacks and tackles for a loss all the time. You want to get those, obviously. But you want to put the quarterback under pressure enough where, you know, he's having to get the ball out quickly. Um, they're making errant throws. You know, you don't have time to take shots down the field, help out the rest of that defense. But I think Denzel Burke, Davison Igbenosin, Jordan Hancock, the rest of that secondary has played pretty well, especially the cornerbacks. Now this will be a bigger test, a team that's going to throw it quite a bit. So I think we're going to have a better feel about where this defense really is afterwards. Now it's still Western Kentucky. They don't have the athletes that you're going to see against Notre Dame that you're going to see down the road in some of those big 10 games. But I do think it's, it's going to be interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if they do put up some more points. Ohio state's only given up 10 points so far this year, which is uh, I believe tied for tops in the country, certainly tied for tops in the conference with Michigan, but this, it wouldn't surprise me if there are more points given up in this one, just because I think you're going to see a team that, that plays fast, looks to kind of take advantage uh, of maybe a defense that hasn't seen something like this yet. And uh, I still think Ohio State's defense can, can make plays. I think maybe you can see another interception by a cornerback, which would be nice. We got our first one since 2021, October right. of 2021. Uh, you'll certainly have opportunities to do that. It'll be about making plays. And I think it comes down to the, being as simple as that can Ohio state make those plays against what's still, you know, quote unquote inferior opposition. Uh, and then you're feeling good going into Notre Dame. Yeah. As Mika points out, blue Smith is at yeah. Western Kentucky. I had to do the math there. I'm like, he's got to at least be a sixth year senior. And I, I did the math. He is uh, that COVID yeah. year and a red shirt year. Um, I saw him, him on Steve, I saw him on Steve Hellwagon's first look. And I was like, this can't be the same kid, right? This is that's, but that was way too long ago. I know that's, I was like, wasn't that like the Trestle era? No. But at first I was like, there's no way he's still eligible. And like, good for him. Good kid uh, from Wayne. Um, you know, just um, he made that, you know, made a business decision. Probably figured he was never going to play at Ohio State. And uh, now he's in a pass happy offense. So hopefully the Buckeyes do well. But Blue Smith also uh, does well. I've always liked that kid. Back to Ohio State's defense for a moment. Uh, Two pronged question. If you're a Buckeye fan, how confident are you in Jim Knowles going forward? Because I've seen, you know, on our board, you know, shockingly there's a lot of people on both sides of the ledger there's like come on Knowles you know it's still just the beginning of the second year we're seeing good things um yeah Michigan and Georgia was a disaster but um some guy some people believe in him other people are already like I'm done with this guy why are you going to hire somebody from big 12 and uh the big 12 and uh this three safety stuff is, is nonsense um so if you're a Buckeye fan how confident are you in Knowles going forward and Patrick do you get the sense furthermore because I do do you get the sense that LJ and Knowles are not on the same page? To answer your first question, I think it depends on how – I, I, I want to see this season play out to, to really judge Jim Knowles. He talked on Tuesday quite a bit, and he's talked about it throughout the offseason, but this was probably the most extensive about the, the adjustments that he's made to his philosophy. He came in with this set of ideas that had worked for him for a long time, um, You know, going back – to, to previous stops, even before Oklahoma State. And you got to Ohio State, and now all of a sudden you have all these athletes and things like that. Okay, he's realized you don't need to be as aggressive at times. You don't need to 
use a, a jack position, for instance, as much as he did at other places. There, I, I like the fact that he started to make these adjustments and kind of understand what he's got at Ohio State. And now it's got to work. I thought Indiana was good. Youngstown State, he brought more pressure, and they were burned a couple times on it. So, you know, what are we going to see from Jim Knowles in big games? How much has he really adjusted in those situations? Does he fall back on what he's known for years and years, or, or has he really made kind of a, a switch of the a flip of the switch? Excuse me. To okay, I've got to do some things differently when you're playing at Ohio State when the the stakes are so high. That's another thing he had never really experienced before. I mean, the closest thing probably came when he was working at Ole Miss, but I don't believe he was calling plays then. So. I think Jim Knowles is a very good coach. I think there's a reason he had the success that he did in a very good offensive league like the Big 12, and his career has gone the way it has. Um, will it work at Ohio State? I think that we have to wait and see here. Your second question, that I think that's a good one, and I, I think the only way to know is to be in that building. We just talked about the defensive line and the pass rush and, and whatnot. I don't know if it's all working because the production has been there, but the production wasn't there prior to Jim Knowles either. I mean, the last year that Ohio State was really dominant as a defensive line was when Chase Young was here, and that was, what, 2019? So it's been a while since we've had uh, – we've seen a dominant defensive line for the Buckeyes. Now, there's still been some production there, and there's been some players that that have played well. I think LJ deserves some some credit for that. But you'd think by now in in year two, they'd even – no matter what, they would have figured out a way to kind of gel this all together. Two coaches that have obviously been very successful in their careers. You know, I, I, I know I'm not really answering your question, but I think we just have to kind of wait and see these big games right now. The defense has been good, um, but you know, they haven't truly, truly been tested. Yeah. I just, my gut feeling is um, Knowles and LJ are not on the same page. I, I felt the same way last year and I don't think anything's different this year. Not that they can't work together and they dislike each other. I'm not going there. But I just feel like their philosophies don't necessarily mesh. And I don't feel like they're always on the same page. Maybe sometimes they are. I just get this gut feeling they're not on the same page. Patrick and I are going to get back to Ohio State football in just a moment. Stick with us. But I have a quick read from another one of our great sponsors, Caldera Lab. Guys, you're going to brush your teeth today, right? Why is that? Because it's a healthy part of your day and you don't want bad teeth. I want you to take it another step and add in skincare habits to your daily routine. I just did, and I promise you, I'm never going back. I'm hooked on Caldera Lab, high-performance men's skincare products. I use the products. I highly recommend it to all of the men out there. Backed by clinical trials that found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using the products for only a few weeks, Caldera Lab is the regimen you've been looking for. The regimen from Caldera Lab includes three products that takes up just one minute in the morning and one minute at night. Habits don't get any easier than this. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere. Use code BUCKNUTS at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with code BUCKNUTS at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with code BUCKNUTS. I tell you, we were at interviews yesterday, and I wanted to talk shop, and Patrick comes up to me. He's like, wow, you look younger. I was like, man, okay, Caldera Lab, baby. Um, All right, now, before we get back to Ohio State, let's talk about Bama. Um, A lot of people are like, 
is Bama done? Is this the end of the Saban dynasty? Not that people are saying Bama's going to go six and six, but is this the end of the Bama dynasty? I say two things to that. I see where you're coming from. They don't look like the same Bama. And I was told by people who were like Bama insiders, this is not the same Bama team coming into the year. And we talked about that in the podcast throughout the offseason. They're still Bama, but they're not to the level they were. But I will also say this. I won't think Bama's done until they're six feet under. Uh, until they're actually dead, I don't think this dynasty is over. I mean, Saban is a, he, 71. He's going to be 72 soon. So I see uh, arguments on both sides. Where are you at? I agree with you. I don't think you can count Nick Saban and, and the talent on that team out until they're, they're definitely done. I think every year we get towards the end of the season and, and the college football playoff announcement, and it's like Alabama's still somehow, at least in the media, in the discussion, right? They, they've deserved the benefit of the doubt for years and years. I think they're, they're starting to lose that. But look, they lost at home to a good Texas team, right? And, and this is a Texas team that I think people – so a lot of people were high on before the season. Certainly people are now um, that I don't think rules Alabama out for getting their stuff together and figuring it out, and getting to the end of the season. They win the sec. They're in the college football playoff right back where we we've expected them to be, but it certainly hasn't looked the same as the, the Bama teams of this dynasty that that's gone on for so long. Um, I think one thing is for, for so long, they were able to rely on defense and running the ball. And then Nick Saban realized he had to pivot because the quarterback and and the way that the game was played was becoming so different and credit him for that. I do think that this year, at least, and I know obviously last year they had Bryce Young still, but this year I don't see the same play out of, out of the quarterback, at least yet there. Obviously he's very good with his legs, Jalen Milrow. uh, But especially against Texas, like, some of those throws that these quarterbacks recently there have been able to make, it didn't look like he was comfortable with. I, I think it's an interesting season across college football with the top teams because you don't have those returning star quarterbacks like last year at most of those schools. So I know Georgia's been fine to start the season, but I'll be interested once they start playing really good teams, kind of how that that plays out with a new quarterback. Obviously, once Ohio State goes to Notre Dame, see how Kyle McCord does in that situation. Um, but I think that affects kind of the, the landscape in general. Chris Hummer, one of our national guys, wrote a good piece yesterday about, you know, is the landscape shifting a little bit this season? Is, is this the year of kind of upsetting the, the apple cart in terms of the, the top teams? And you know, it very well could be. I think it'll be interesting to follow throughout the season with how these teams develop because like, it is only week two. You can usually afford a loss, especially in the SEC and the Big Ten. So, It'll be it'll be certainly be interesting because without a quarterback, I think you've seen a number of teams fall off, you know, Texas for a long time, USC for a long time. Is that where Alabama is? Obviously, they've recruited well, but you, you've got to get the production. Clemson, another team right now without a star quarterback that's struggling. Last thing I want to get into, I, I loved that Jordan Hancock uh, had a lot of snaps playing slot safety because I like getting first of all, I like getting three corners out there instead of three safeties unless you're playing a running team. Um this week, they, you know, they'll probably have, as we were talking about yesterday on our uh, instant reaction after the press conference, um, you know, they did have some six uh, DB looks, and they're going to have plenty of it this week, I'm sure. But I like going forward. Um, those top three corners are really good with Burke, Igbenosin, and Hancock. I want those guys out there um, and have Sonny Styles and Lathan Ransom out there. Um, I guess we'll have Josh Proctor out there as well. I'd like to see Sonny's just stay in the entire time. I don't think they need to take him out unless he's gassed. But um, I do like – hopefully that's a little bit of the evolution of Jim Knowles, if you will. 
um, then maybe we'll see Jordan Hancock kind of be that main guy at slot safety, almost like a Sean Wade was. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good comparison, at least on a small sample size, a phrase that we've used quite a bit here today. Look, you need somebody to go out and cover in that position. A cornerback, to me, often makes more sense than, than a safety. Now, Ohio State has recruited um, a guy like Cameron Martinez, who I know he gave up the play in the first quarter against uh, the third down play against Youngstown State. I thought he was in pretty good coverage there, but I think when you ask a guy to do that that doesn't do it as often, you can get into some issues. A guy like Jordan Hancock, who knows how to cover on the outside, we know that, and has worked on this inside, gives you something different. Now, you know, it, like you said, Dave, it, it depends on the matchup. I think this week will tell us a lot about what Ohio State does when they play more of the spread teams that they will. And I think we know what they can do with uh, Sonny Styles kind of lining up basically as another linebacker closer to the line of scrimmage against run teams. And, and I think Davis and Igbenosin gives you some physicality in there as well. Denzel Burke, not afraid of contact against run teams, but I, I like it a lot. I think the fact that they have options is really what, what is what stands out the most to me. You, you can move guys around and, and play in different spots um, you can ask guys to do different things. You can substitute when you need to. And, and I think that's important. You need a versatile defense in today's college football. And I think Ohio State has that in, in numbers here. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy, the host of the wildly popular Bucknuts Happy Hour coming at you later this week. He does it once a week. Um, and really appreciate Patrick's insights. Great stuff, my friend. Thanks to all of you. We had a pretty large uh, live audience. Appreciate you guys very much. Uh, hope everyone has a great rest of your day. 